Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Father, we ask you in the name of Jesus that the word that has your life in it would be revealed to us in a way that we've never seen it before, that it might be revealed to us in an incredibly deep and powerful way. In the name of Jesus, and all the people said, Amen. when it comes to money, most believers are in one of two ditches. On one side of the main balanced road is a ditch where people who they feel like that the more spiritual you are, the more poverty stricken you should be. There are those who think that anything that has to do with God has to do with only something that is spiritual, even theoretical or immeasurable. There are others who have developed a mindset through some teaching that is legitimate that they have gotten out of balance on. There are others who think that Jesus died to make you rich. And if you're not wealthy, you don't have enough faith. Let me say this again. Jesus didn't die to make you rich. Jesus died to make you like him transform us into the image of Jesus. Now, right down the middle, there is a balanced understanding of the principles that God wants us to know that part of grace, yes, there's saving grace. Thank God for that, right? By grace, you are what? Through what? And that, not of yourselves. It is the God through love reaches out to us in grace. Grace is defined as God's favor and God's ability. God saw you and he saw every choice you were ever going to make and chose you anyway. Now that's grace. That's grace. Everybody say, thank you, Lord. It is by grace that we are brought into the family of God through faith. And even that, not of ourselves, it comes by the hearing of the Word of God. But grace is greater than just the initiation of our sins being forgiven and a personal relationship with God, as marvelous as that is. There's also God's ability. It's not just his favor, it's his ability. Paul was having some incredible issues, and he said, I cried out to God three times that it would be removed from me, and God's answer was, my grace, my favor, and my ability is more than enough for whatever you have got to walk through. Did you hear that? Anything that God won't let you skip, if you have to go through it, 
there's enough favor and ability to cause you to successfully get through it. Favor and ability. But understand this, that God's favor and ability extends to His children in a tangible and measurable way as well. 2 Corinthians 9, beginning with verse 6, But this I say, here's what I'm trying to tell you. God's way of doing things, the kingdom of God, works through spiritual laws. And one of the laws that governs the kingdom of God is sowing and reaping. This I say, verse 6, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. So let each one give, sow as he purposes in his heart. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. How many of you have ever been hit up to give to something kingdom-oriented under the guise that if you, don't give, if you don't give it up for this kingdom agenda, then you're going to disappoint God and it'll never happen? Uh, let me put both my hands up on that one. Now, boy, that made you cheerful, didn't it? What ought to make us cheerful is the opportunity God is giving us to invest in a system in the kingdom of God that is going to forever work. It may not look like the system is working today, but can I tell you something? This is more than working a system. This is entering a partnership. And God Almighty is overseeing every seed you have ever invested in the kingdom of God, and He will bring it to pass. In the meantime, people like Steve have to deal with their own fear, have to deal with my own pride. I don't want anybody to know if I'm hurting. Shame on me. How ridiculous. And people like me have to deal with my own ignorance or recklessness on the promises of God. People like me have to deal with this sense of entitlement that creeps in. Can I tell you something? Why don't you resign from depending on your parents or your friends or your employer or your customers? And why don't you just get in partnership with God Almighty who has every resource and be willing to go through the pressure of trusting Him. He will watch over every seed. And whatever pain you're going through, whatever disappointment or frustration, let me tell you, that's just the middle of the book. God is going to make that up and turn it out right. It's an eternal law. Look at the next verse. God is able to cause all what? What's grace? Favor and ability abound towards you, verse 8, so that you always, how often is always? Always having all sufficiency in how many things? May have an, an abundance for every good work. 
Why is it that this powerful principle of God's favor and ability, why is it that I don't see it in operation all the time? It may be my own fear and unbelief. It may be my pride and self-sufficiency. It may be ignorance or recklessness. Or it may be God Almighty is doing something so deep with the seed, I can't see it. And he's teaching me to take a step beyond faith, which comes by hearing the word, and go into trust, which comes by not seeing anything but trusting him anyway. Sooner or later, you will be given an opportunity to trust God when you don't understand, you don't see it, you're frustrated and aggravated and just about worn out. Sooner or later, every great champion that God entrusts, listen, I have never met somebody who is supernaturally blessed mightily with their heart's desire to give so that to receive so they they can give i've never been at anybody who hasn't gone through some season of great difficulty when it looked like the seed was in the ground but nothing was ever coming up whatever you sow genesis 6 do not be deceived god's not mocked his law is not going to be ridiculed whatever you sow you will also reap in due season. Do not grow weary, therefore, or lose heart, for you shall reap in due season. So what does that mean? God is watching over everything sown into his kingdom under his direction. I don't know about you, but that is really exciting news. Well, you say, Pastor, God got an investment program. He's not broke. Now, I have 12 to 15 ministers under my covering. I am pleased to be a spiritual bishop, and I want to say to them, and we have a lot of pastors who listen to our messages online, can I tell you something, men? Listen, I was called like you are as a young teenager. Can I tell you something? Why don't you consider stop beating your people up, stop trying to get people to give out of guilt, and why don't you start offering them the opportunity to, op to invest in kingdom principles so that God Almighty will bless them the way he wants to bless them? And why don't you take it a step further and quit trying to get money out of the sheep? And why don't you start being on your knees praying for the blessing of your flock every day? Praying that God would bless those people out there in business. Praying that God would bless those who are employees. Praying that God would bless them instead of trying to raise some money. I know I'm preaching to the choir, but I'm telling you, God has a system, and it's so much greater than a poor little congregation trying to raise money. Suit yourself. God is able to make all grace abound to you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Wow, isn't it incredible that God's desire 
is that we would have sufficiency and abundance to do anything the Spirit would lead us to do. Now skip down to verse 11. I'm sorry, verse 10. He who supplies seed to the sower, that would be God. God who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, may he supply and multiply the seed you have sown. How many of you know seed won't grow in a jar? you got to get it in the ground. And increase the fruits of your righteousness. God calls sowing and reaping righteousness. While you are enriched in everything for all liberality, the purpose of being enriched is not to build monuments to yourself. It is for the purpose of being a blessing, of being able to give when God tells you to give. The purpose of liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. Pride and fear and ignorance will stop us from investing in sowing and reaping. But you know what? There is such a mindset in the body of Christ that's based on myths. And in your outline today, I will briefly go over some myths that have caused us to develop a mindset that keeps us from experiencing God's best as it relates to provision and financial investment and opportunities to be a blessing. Myth number one, money's not important to God. Did you know that money and stewardship over resources is mentioned three times more than prayer is? Wow. Several times more than prayer is mentioned in the Bible, money and stewardship and the handling of resources. Many of us have such a mindset there that we think it's not important to God. In fact, I've heard Christians say this, oh, I don't desire to have a lot. And here's what they say, because if I did, I don't trust myself. Well, I don't think you have anything to worry about (laughs) with that mindset. I wouldn't lose a bit of sleep over it. Many of us as believers have set our thermostat on survival instead of abundance. Our spiritual thermostat of how we want to partner with God Almighty. Let me say this again. Why would you think God would want the drug pushers to have the money instead of his children? You wouldn't want somehow your children, as they are able to handle, wouldn't you want, you, if you could leave something, wouldn't you want to leave it to your children as they are able to handle it, yes or no? Why would God be any different? We have got our spiritual thermostat needs to be reset. And so that we say, God, I want you to make all favor and ability abound toward me so that not only will I have all sufficiency, but I will have more than enough for every good work you touch me to do. You can't meet all the needs. But boy, there's some that God wants to meet and it's got your name on it. 
set your thermostat to partner with God. To partner with Him. Sometimes it's our fear. Sometimes it's our ignorance of the Word and the promises of God. But here's myth number two. God delights in keeping His people broke and poor. See, because that keeps them more dependent if they're broke and poor. Then He can control and manipulate them. That's the mindset of a lot of religion. What a sick thing. Did you know that you, through Jesus Christ, have inherited the promises of Abraham? God got into your spiritual father, Abraham's heart, and he said, I'm going to bless you and make you great so that you will be a blessing. I want to bless you so you can be a blessing. I'm not going to make you a pond. I'm going to make you a river. I want to bless you so you can be a blessing. What a wonderful partnership. Galatians 3 says that now in Christ Jesus, you are sons and daughters of Abraham through faith in Christ Jesus and heirs according to the promise God gave Abraham. I will bless you and make you great. I will bless you and you will be a blessing. It is a myth to think God wants to keep us poor and broke because if we are, we can't meet many people's needs. There's another myth. There's only spiritual benefit related to financial giving. 3 John verse 2. There's only one chapter in 3 John, so it's 3 John verse 2. Are you listening? You want to know what the is the Word of God the will of God? Yes or no? You just go around guessing, or is the Word of God His expression of what He wants to do? Here's what 3 John 2 says. I desire above all things that you prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. Are you listening? God wants you to prosper on the outside to the same extent, no more, no less, than you're prospering on the inside. He's not interested in you being full of financial prosperity if you've got bitterness and unforgiveness, fear and worry, all tied up, churned up in chaos on the inside. I desire above all things that you prosper and be in good health even to the same extent as your soul's prospering. So what does that mean? We need to do some work on our inner man, don't we? But we also need to know that our Father wants us to prosper on the outside to the same extent we're prospering on the inside. I have people with this mindset. Pastor, I know tons of people who don't know or care one thing about God, and they have lots of money. They do not have money. Money has them. There's a big difference. A big difference. Next myth. The closer you get to God, the more poor you will get. 
Remember, uh, Jesus was teaching the disciples, and uh, he said, It is more difficult for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Now, wait a minute now. What's the kingdom of God? Heaven? No, no. God's way of doing things. It is more difficult for a rich man to enter into God's way of doing things than it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And there are people who take that verse out of context and they propagate and say, you know, there you go. That just proves right there that God doesn't want anybody with any material. I mean, no, wait a minute now. Did you go on reading? Right after that, the disciples were amazed, the Bible says. They were amazed and they said, well, then who can be saved? Why would they be amazed and ask that question? Have you ever thought about this? That every one of the disciples were businessmen. And every one of them quit their business to follow Jesus. Do you think, do you think that they would have done that if their family was going to starve? Do you think they had no resources? They were amazed at that statement. And then you remember what Jesus said? With men it's impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. In this passage I've got on your outline, the, 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 the teaching of Jesus is, nobody who has left everything to follow me, family, houses, lands, Nobody who has done that will not receive 100-fold in this life and in the life to come. If God asks you to give something up that you desperately need, it's because there is a precious seed that He is going to multiply 100-fold. Hundredfold returns come with precious seed. And God judges the amount we give, not on the basis of the face value of what we have, but on the basis of what we have left after we give it. Sometimes when the Lord asks us to do something that hurts, it's because there is attached to that seed, that sacrifice, A mighty return. Regular giving probably doesn't hurt nearly as bad as when he he asks for a sacrifice. That sacrifice can be in the ground a long time. That sacrifice, we could have the tendency to say, well, nothing came out of it. Right when I needed it, it wasn't there. But let me tell you something. God is watching over every seed and every seed that has been given in a heart of obedience and sacrifice will have a mighty return attached to it. That's kingdom law. That's kingdom law. It's not happy talk. That is kingdom law. There are those out there who are saying, well, I'm going to sow this seed and I'm going to name this seed. Now, wait a minute. You've got to let go of the seed for it to germinate and grow. 
When you say, why don't you shift from saying, God, I want to sow this seed and I want a new house and a new car and all that. Why don't you shift away from that mindset and say, God, I'm going to sow this seed and here's what I'm saying. I say that you are able to cause all grace to abound toward me so that I'll have all sufficiency and abundance for every good deed and I'll be enriched in every good thing for any purpose for which you give it. Why don't you release it with something in Scripture and allow Him to determine the time and the multiplication of that seed. You know why we don't do it? Because we don't believe God wants better for you than you can even want for yourself. Ephesians 3.20 He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that I ask or think. God wants better for you than you want for yourself. You don't hear that preaching very often, do you? That's the Word of God. And superstition and religious tradition have caused us to be blind to what God's trying to say. There is a myth that, well, you know, the closer you get to Jesus, the more you, poor you ought to be because Jesus was poor and homeless. Did you know that there right now, there exists, I saw them again this week, there is a whole movement called Jesus the Homeless. So everybody give up your homes. No, no, no wait a minute now. Uh, turn to, turn to uh, Mark chapter 2 with me. Just, just quick, I'm, I'm not going to keep you long. Mark 2. Y'all all right? You know, what little town did Jesus grow up in? Anybody remember? Nazareth, right? Do you know that there are people walking around quoting this to have a mindset about Jesus? And there was no room for him in the inn. He was born in Bethlehem because there was no, there was no room for him in the inn because he was out in a manger. And that just proves how poverty-stricken he was. No, 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 wait a minute. What did Luke say? He was in the manger because why? Because he was poor and broke. No, because all the hotels were full up. There was no room for him in the end. Oh, so you thought that he chose to be out there in the stable. No, the, the Word of God says there was no room for him in the end. That's the reason he's in the stable. Well, okay, he grew up in Nazareth, yes or no? When he became a grown man and left the family business, he worked for his dad, Joseph, in the carpenter shop, and he left the family business under the assignment of his heavenly father at 30 years old, and he left and he went to a beachside town by the Sea of Galilee called Capernaum. What you know about real estate about beachside towns? He went to Capernaum. And look at chapter 2, verse 1 of Mark. And he entered Capernaum, and after some days it was heard that he was out in the yard because he didn't have a place. It was heard that he was in the house. The NIV properly translate this. It was heard that he was at home. 
Well, I thought Jesus just wandered around on donkeys all the time and had campfires. He was in the house. Is that homeless to you? Matthew 4.13 says, And he came and settled, dwelt, settled down in Capernaum. Do you settle down if you don't have a... Oh, but pastor, what about Matthew 8? Birds of the air have nests. Foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. What about that one? Did you look at the context, dear one? He wasn't in Capernaum where his home was. He was traveling with his disciples through Samaria where there was a lot of opposition to his ministry and somebody wanted to follow him and he was saying, don't have a place to spend the night tonight. But, you know, if you want to follow me, come on. There's a difference in that and being homeless. You got to see the whole context and quit picking out these little bitty scripture verses and building a case on it. Final myth, tithing was only for Old Testament believers. I read that again this week. Look, here's all I'm going to say about that. Every time God gives a financial command, he gives a financial promise. Isn't that interesting? Bring all the tithes into the storehouse and see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. Give and it shall be given to you. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruit of all your inheritance. So shall your barns, your barns be filled with plenty and your vats with new wine. Over and over and over and over and over and over again, commands are followed by promises when it relates to financial provision. There is financial grace. But also understand this. If Jesus had terminated tithing, you would see it in black and white in the New Testament. But pastor, that is just an Old Testament thing he told the Jews. All right, look. The commandment about killing somebody Thou shalt not murder. What did Jesus do with that? He reinterpreted it. Yes or no? If you harbor hate in your heart, you're guilty of murder. Yes or no? Got to forgive. He reinterpreted it. Right? What about that law about ceremonial cleansing where you got to wash the dishes a certain way and everything has to be in a certain place What about ceremonial cleansing? Listen, Jesus fulfilled and terminated the ceremonial cleansing laws. If you look at the New Testament, total teaching of the New Testament. What about food? Well, you can't eat pork. Remember back there, don't eat catfish. Anything that's on the the floor of the river is is a harbinger of garbage. Don't eat pork. They eat garbage. Well, have you, have you looked at what Jesus taught about that? 
The word says that he, and I got the scriptures, he declared all foods to be clean. So he fulfilled those laws in his perfect obedience. He fulfilled them and terminated them. Ceremonial cleansing, food laws, dietary deals, reinterpreted laws like murder to involve hate. There is no evidence whatsoever that Jesus fulfilled and terminated tithing. In fact, Hebrews 7 says that there Jesus, who is a type of the high priest Melchizedek, king of righteousness, king of peace, that there he, Jesus, there in heaven, he receives tithes. Do you know that right now Jesus is receiving tithes? You may, get, you may give it through something that is operating in the kingdom of God, but right now the recipient of all those tithes given with the right motives out of faith and obedience is Jesus himself. Next time you write a tithe check, you need to say, Jesus, this is yours. Jesus is receiving your tithes. Listen, he didn't fulfill and terminate that. He fulfilled and perpetuated that. So you got fulfill and terminate or fulfill and perpetuate. And there are all kinds of people making all these accusations about, oh, that doesn't exist anymore. I used to believe that. And I want to tell you, if you believe that, good luck to you dealing with the devourer. Suit yourself. Getting deep in here, isn't it? Like my friend Jim Black tells me, every now and then you've got to tell the people the truth about the word here. Just because we don't take up offerings, and he's never seen me take up an offering in 25 years. He's one of the men who are accountable for the finances of this ministry. But I am going to tell you the word, and you've got an opportunity now to see with the Lord what you're going to do. Amen? Well, let's all stand. I want to have a prayer for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, as your shepherd, your assistant, I ask you to bless these your sons and daughters. I ask you, God, to bless them with greater revelation of how much you love them and with the revelation that you want them to have sufficiency and abundance. I ask you to give them revelation in their times of trouble and struggle. Give them encouragement that you're watching over every seed. Give them the grace to continue to obey trusting you to bring about the fulfillment of the timing and the harvest that you've promised. Put your hand of blessing on the, every business represented here by your children. Give them new customers and clients, new opportunities to serve, new opportunities to encourage and minister in the marketplace. Bless their children and grandchildren. Father, I pray 
that you'll open up a new window of opportunity for those who are struggling today, a new breath of hope and encouragement. And I'm asking you to personally give them a wink of encouragement today. Give them some tangible encouragement today. The energy that comes from you drawing us into greater intimacy. Bless them mightily, O oh God. More than enough. Take them to a new level of intimacy with you and of resources to be, to be used for kingdom purposes. Oh, the God, that we would always be full of sufficiency and an abundance so that any time you speak to us, we'll be able to meet the need you speak to us about. Oh God, grant favor. Holy God, grant favor. I'm praying right now that there would be favor from heaven on some who desperately need a hug from God. And that it would come in the form of a tangible expression of favor. That your faith would be rewarded. That your trust would be rewarded mightily. Grant it, Lord Jesus. And I pray all these blessings on your children, especially who belong to this flock. In Jesus' mighty and holy name, and all the people said, All right, see you in two weeks. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.